Welcome to Culture Wire. I'm your host, Meg Schiffler. We're here at the Arts Commission Gallery where the exhibition Chain Reaction 11 is still on view. On this episode of Culture Wire, we're going to check out a new program that fights vandalism with art and take a behind-the-scenes look at public art in the city's new branch libraries. But first, we're going to meet a rock and roll legend who has a few words of wisdom to share. Well, yeah, I love libraries, and uh, doing this, you know, made me think more about them, and one of the things that I think is so fantastic about them is that they're like this bastion of egalitarianism. On March 18th, the San Francisco Arts Commission hosted the 2010 Mayor's Art Award. The Mayor's Art Award was established to honor an individual artist with a lifetime of outstanding achievement in the arts and civic life. This year's awardee was none other than Carlos Santana. Before the award ceremony, Director of Cultural Affairs Louise Cancel had a chance to sit down and talk with Carlos and ask him a few questions. Once a year, Mayor Gavin Newsom gets to select one distinguished individual to receive the Mayor's Art Award. In 2010, that distinguished individual was none other than the legendary musician, Carlos Santana. Hi. Carlos, it's really so great for the city to be able to recognize you. Um, given all of your accomplishments already, and all the you know, Grammy Awards and all of the other distinctions you've received, uh, what does it mean for you to get the Mayor's Art Award? Um, I'm very grateful. I'm very touched and I'm very moved. And uh, it means that I always wanted to be in the company of um, illuminaries like Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta, uh, sisters and brothers who make a, truly a difference, not only with the arts, but with their consciousness and how they touch other people's hearts and are able to give people a sense of uh, tangible hope, you know. Uh, one thing is to be famous, another thing is for people to actually like you, you know, and I'm very, very grateful for this award. Uh, it's, uh, it's another blessing, and, and I, I don't take it for granted. This is an incredible city. Uh, everywhere I go, when I do interviews, I always tell people that this is the Atlantis of today. There's no other city in the world. I've been to everywhere, every city from Rio de Janeiro to Hong Kong, everywhere in New York. There's nothing like San Francisco. In fact, to me, San Francisco is not even United States. You can tell by the ways Fox Network are always attacking us, you know. But it's because we have a different consciousness in here. We don't have a superiority or inferiority complex. We just don't follow blindly. We question authority if it's not enlightened by God. And to me, as I said before, person for person, there's more artists than con artists in the Bay Area. And you, you know, you're a person that really has been identified so strongly with San Francisco and the Bay Area, as you yourself just said. And a lot of it, I think, reflects the values that you also identify with. Um, and I know that you have been uh, promoting an idea for a, public, a work of public art 
that is that could be pretty transformative. Can you talk about that a little bit? You mean the Peace Brother? Yes, the yes. Peace Brother. Peace Brother is something that I saw, I think around the early 80s, there was a lady, I can't remember her name, and she started back there. She converted this, she went to the neighborhoods uh, with the hoods, and she was collecting the guns from, from the gang fellows, fellows and uh, she had it melt and turn into angels. And so we want to do the same thing and take it to the next level. Also, we want to put a boom box at his feet. He's going to be seven feet tall. So he actually is going to be made out of uh, guns, melted guns. But the boom box is going to be playing s seven or 12 songs. What a Wonderful World, Louis Armstrong, What's Going On, Marvin Gaye, Imagine John Lennon, One Love, Bob Marley, and so on. Uh, a Change is Going to Come, uh, Sam Cooke. So songs that have been, that really touched people deeply and... Well, you know, I have come to a place where I, I, I call it the sound of eternity. You know, uh, Bob Dylan calls it forever young and I call it eternally relevant. There's certain music that are assigned and designed to help you not be with fear. Because when you are with fear, then you invest on violence. You invest on, you know, I mean, it's, fear is really expensive. Ask Barack Obama and, and George Bush how much it costs a year to invest in fear instead of love, you know. So uh, these songs, all of these songs are invested in, in love. And we believe that, that what Marvin Gaye says is true. War is not the answer. Only love can conquer hate, you know. And, and those things are not cliches. Are not, they're actually truisms that if we put, implement them, you will see a different transformation in the Bay Area in Richmond, in Oakland, in the Bellevue, you know, Richmond, uh, Hunters Point, Mission, you know, all places we need to dismantle the, the violence, the fear, and, and, and uh, the unnecessary pain that goes on in the Bay Area. Now, you're a person that has lived a pretty miraculous life. It's really uh, pretty extraordinary what you've accomplished and the extent and the range of people that you've been able to touch with your music. And you chose a beautiful word in Spanish, milagro. Mm -hmm. for your foundation, uh, Miracle, Milagro. Um, could you talk about what that foundation has been able to, to do? We are able to empower and give people, young people, uh, a way for them to develop their own vision. I started with my vision, and there's people like Andre Agassi, who we, we help finance, we, uh, Three Squares, we help Mr. Desmond Tutu. And in essence, here in the Bay Area, like Larkin Street, there's places where people invest in people. You know, I love the, I love the, the giant stadium that we have in here. It's really beautiful. But I like to see humans invest in humans instead of expensive dirt and expensive buildings. You know, I, I like to see uh, the mayor and the governor invest more in education than incarceration, you know. So, so I'm committed, you know, with the music uh, and the platform that I have to, if I have to, give a little spanking, you know, to those who need to be spanked and wake up because we do spend way too much on weapons, you know. All the money that we spend on TV advertising games of war, that's sheer stupidity, you know. 
And in New Zealand, they passed a law that, they, that they could, you cannot show or sell these things in New Zealand. War, game war, uh, mm -hmm. whatever they call Games it, auto theft, auto theft, you know, all that kind of stuff yeah. about killing people. Right. No, they say we don't want it, we don't care, we don't want it, get about it here. And so to me, I equate that with Columbine, I equate that with war, you know, because once you've desynthesized a human being, then you can't tell when you're shooting a figure on TV and we're shooting a real person, you know. So there's a lot of things that I invite people to take responsibility for. You know, some people can be very gentle, very kind. I can be ghetto when I need to be because I grew up with the Black Panthers doing, doing benefits for them. So, I, you know, I grew up doing peace and freedom against the Vietnam and uh, doing benefits for the Black Panthers and the Lotus, Huerta and Cesar Chavez. So on one hand, I, I like the softness of spirituality, but on the other hand, I like that energy that you have to be a warrior when you need to be, like Malcolm X. You know, I, like my, I love my Martin Luther King, but I also love that Malcolm X, sometimes you have to just like really, really, like Zapata or Pancho Villa, you know, you have to like really, really hold your ground and say, basta, you know, let's invest in compassion and kindness and education rather than more killing. Now, when you graduated from Mission High School in 1965, I mean, it really was kind of the height of the civil rights movement. So you just alluded to uh, kind of the milieu in which you were growing up. Now, as a young musician, you know, you, what was it like for you as a young musician in San Francisco at that time? It was heaven on earth um, to go to the Matador on Broadway and see Bolasete, Kenny Burrell, West Montgomery, uh, Mungo Santa Maria, Cal Jader, Amanda Peraza. Go to the Fillmore and see The Doors, Jimi Hendrix, Ravi Shankar, uh, Cream. And go to Stern Groves and see uh, John Handy or Charles Lloyd. So everywhere I went, go to the Mission District and you hear Mexican music, you know. So everywhere I went was like this multi-dimensional colors. And I, I felt that it was unnecessary for me to just do one, you know. Uh, I'm like Baskin Robbins, I want all the flavors, you know? <laughs> and you can't hold me to just being a nice little Mexican that only plays mariachi music. I mean, there's a lot of beauty in that, but it's not for me, you know? I need to, I was born with arms around my heart that wants to embrace everything, Palestine and Hebrew, uh, Israeli, uh, Japanese, Apaches, everyone, you know? To me, uh, I'm more, con I'm more con concentrated with light and love than flags or nationality or, or religion. That, that stuff gets in the way. You know, what, the, heart, the, the heart never gets in the way. Uh, what gets in the way is me, myself, and my story about, you know, I'm this or I become that. And so for me, the music, that's when music is very liberating. This is why Imagine it is what it is. When you hear Imagine in anywhere, anywhere in the world, People sing the lyrics anywhere in the world, you know. Uh, as soon as you hear the melody, people are like, and the world will be as one. I mean, people are like, bam, you know. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Bob Marley, one love. So I grew up taking uh, everything from Bob Dylan to Curtis Mayfield and the Beatles and uh, Smokey Robinson. My alma mater was the streets of San Francisco. I barely went to Mission High School. I mean, I was there on homeroom. And then I would leave, you know. And I, it's okay because where I really hung out was at the Fillmore. That was my university, checking out BB King, and James Brown, and Cream, and 
find out how they were able to penetrate people's hearts. With the music. With the music. Because once you penetrate someone's heart, something happens to their eyes. They become brighter. They get chills. They start crying. They don't know why. They start dancing. It's like a woman. When a woman gives birth, first she cries because it's painful, and then she laughs. And then later on she dances, you know. And that to me is what really, really is, is the beauty of uh, with San Francisco. That, that's been uh, my education here in San Francisco. One final question, uh, and we're going we're gonna to link it to your music today, because, you. you know, it, it's, uh, it's such a rich legacy that you're giving us. And uh, you mentioned to me that you're working on a new album. Do you want to share a little, a little something about what's coming? No problem. Uh, I dream, I love to dream while I'm awake. And so I, I have this dream of working with India Array and Yo-Yo Ma doing this song, while my guitar gently weeps, the George Harrison song. When you hear this song, you have heard it from, you know, the Beatles themselves and other people, but you have never heard it like this. You know, this, when you hear this, it's almost like saying, this is the definitive way to do this. Because you bring in all, again, you bring in that, that we're all in it together, we don't leave anybody out. Tone. Uh, I'm one of the few persons who can say that with humility, grace, and honor, and conviction. I'm one of the few people who you can recognize by one note. So God gave me the universal tone. And that's what we like to implement in all the songs. Thank you so much. Carlos Santana, thank you for accepting the 2010 Mayor's Arts Award. Thank you for giving it to me. Appreciate it. <laughs> to watch the Mayor's Art Award ceremony, visit the homepage of the Arts Commission's website, sfartscommission.org, or search 2010 Mayor's Art Award on youtube.com. The San Francisco Arts Commission and the Department of Public Works have joined forces in combating graffiti in the city by launching an innovative new pilot program called Street Smarts. The program connects established urban artists with private property owners to create vibrant murals which is a proven and effective strategy for combating graffiti on private property. Street Smarts artist Cameron Moberg, along with his crew of Aaron Vickery and Raymond Vivas, recently transformed a building prone to vandalism into a masterpiece. Let's take a look. Part of me has so much compassion for other graffiti artists because I understand like why they're doing what they do. And I know for me it was something that was so hard to get out of. Like the, the lifestyle is so addicting. It's not necessarily like the beautiful artwork is addicting. Like that's a part of it. But that lifestyle of uh, just going out and tagging is addicting. I used to be up on these roofs when I was a kid tagging them, you know. And I have compassion for these guys. And I think a lot of them are super talented. And so, you know, I'm just trying to find the median, you know, to be able to still be involved with those guys, but still do my thing as an artist and, and work with the city like we're doing, you know. We're doing this wall in a collaboration, like with the San Francisco Arts Commission. And, you know, basically what they're doing is just trying to uh, get rid of some of the tags and stuff um, by putting up murals and stuff like that. Um, 
So they're hooking up, um, they're hooking up graffiti artists with business owners. Today we're trying to get a lot of this wall buffed out and covered. Um, and then we're going to add a lot of the sketch marks, like just spray in some sketches of what we're going to be doing on the wall. Because uh, the rain's coming tomorrow and it should uh, be for a few days. So we don't, you know, we want other taggers to know that there are graffiti artists working on this wall. The owner of this building, she's been, you know, having to pay a lot of money to keep painting over the tags and stuff. The minimum is $200 and we've paid as much as $350 to $400. The graffiti um, typically happens three or four times uh, a year and typically it happens right after we've been notified that we need to remove it and the painter will go up there and paint over the graffiti and make a perfect canvas for the taggers to come back. The Street Smart program appealed to me because we were looking for a way to stop the taggers and the ugly graffiti. And the Street Smart program had beautiful work done by really great artists that we thought would just look great on our building. Cameron kind of talked about a few different motifs that he thought would look great. He, he called me and we talked about a, a theme of what he would do on the side of the building. He's taken pictures and um, emailed them to me so that I could forward them to our partner. We're just going to do all kinds of different animals, you know, and plants like aquatic plants and stuff like that. And then also we are doing graffiti letters. Um, you know, if you want other taggers to respect the art, then you got to respect uh, graffiti art. What he's talking about is if you have a lot of characters in it, um, you're going to get a lot more respect from the non-graffiti artists or like business owners and stuff like that. Whereas the letters are going to get the respect of the graffiti artists. And so they're going to recognize it as, hey, this is really cool graffiti. And then the uh, business owners or non-graffiti artists are going to be like, wow, these guys really can paint, you know, realistic stuff and stuff that I like to look at. And I've actually hidden my name in this little patch of seaweed right here. What if you did a giant freaking blue whale coming towards us? I was going to do one of those puffer fish. Put jaw open? Like a big one? Yeah. We got to put a vanity on there. <laughs> Why? Because there's a kid that comes into the youth group that paints and his favorite animal is a manatee. We got to do it for the kids, man. That program with the children, I think, is yeah. just so important. Yeah. That, um, this is important too, but I think you really have to get at the kids and yeah. find out why they're doing it and, and just direct them in more positive ways. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, what you're doing is great. Thank you so much, you're Dana. Welcome. Thank you. Okay. All right, have Bye -bye. a good day. Okay. I'll see you later. That was cool. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that, but that was great. Dana's been great. You know, she's been a real sport about the whole project, and it, it was cool for her to come out today and finally see it and actually like it. So as an artist, that always uh, means a lot to us. So, you know, we're gonna border out the whole thing today and make it look real clean and nice and framed off. And then it should be done. We've had a mural up for probably six years and it hasn't got tagged on. It really works as a deterrent. And, you know, if it's not a graffiti mural, it usually doesn't work as a deterrent, unfortunately. A lot of us, Graffiti artists have been waiting for an opportunity like this to just be able to express ourselves on walls and and there's so many walls around San Francisco that could be beautified and stuff so I'm really thankful that this opportunity came about you know I just would 
encourage anyone that's thinking about it just to jump on the bandwagon because it's it's really looking beautiful and um, when I came up here this morning I was notified by Cameron that Taggers had been up there last night and they left all their remains but fortunately they did not tag the building they tagged the building next door to check out Cameron's mural in person stop by 65 Oak Grove in addition to being a street smarts artist, Cameron has been teaching students about the value of caring for public space and creating public art for the community through a program called Where Art Lives. For a full list of other mural locations and to learn more about the Arts Commission's effort to combat vandalism, visit sfartscommission.org slash CAE. In 2001, the Arts Commission and the San Francisco Public Library established an arts master plan for the city's soon-to-be-renovated branch libraries. Almost 10 years later, the Arts Commission has integrated a collection of vibrant new artworks by Bay Area artists into five new libraries. And there's more on the way. Here's a closer look at some of the projects. The Branch Library Improvement Program is a bond-funded program undertaken by the San Francisco Public Library to upgrade each of the branch libraries throughout all the neighborhoods. So one of the great benefits of this opportunity is that each of these ten branches has a unique artwork that has been created specifically for that branch based on input from people who live near that branch in the, in the surrounding neighborhoods. Petrero Hill is so community-minded and everyone seems to come to the library and they were all concerned about it. There was a lot of community support for the whole project. I tried to make it really about Petrero Hill and its history. The Willow and Thule are natives and they were something that natives used in making houses. The construction of the pod is directly based on Ohlone house construction and the Thule at the bottom of the form is woven into a rope which then sort of transforms into a manufactured rope and that is a reference to Tubbs Cordage Company, which was a big industry at the waterfront that sort of went along with the shipbuilding industries. Other examples of artwork in libraries that you might be interested in seeing if you're in the neighborhood is Dana Zed's glass shutters in the window of the Portola Library, Reddy Lieb and Linda Rainsford's wall sculptures in the lobby of the uh, Glen Park Branch Library, and Vince Koloski's illuminated book that's on the wall of the Mission Bay Library. This sculpture is called Ocean Current. Uh, it evokes waves and currents. Uh, we're on Ocean Avenue, so there's a connection to that. Uh, we're on the bay, so that's what this piece is about. It's a culmination of a lot of dialogue and a lot of processing over a five-year period. And that five years is a little bit longer than, you, than public art projects usually take but I feel that it was enriched from that dialogue. 
making this sculpture involves forging and fabricating steel. And it's using steel, this very resistant material, to create this uh, flowing kind of sensual sculpture. It involves heating and bending and cutting and welding and grinding and sanding and brushing and painting and doing a patina on it before the paint. So there are layers and layers of, of craftsmanship that go into this. The artists who participated in this project are all Bay Area artists and they work in a wide variety of media, metal, glass, natural elements, uh, photography, and just a range of different approaches and aesthetics. So we've created a very nice collection of artwork that's reflective of uh, the current Bay Area art scene. And we invite everyone to visit the participating libraries and to see the unique artworks that have been developed. To learn more, visit sfartscommission.org. That's it for now. Thanks for watching Culture Wire on SFGTV.